the movie equivalent of hashtag not all Mexicans. Literally, yes. Hi, welcome to the recommendation game. This week's film. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm out of practice to do it in person. <laughs> Today I'm joined in the Deacon studio by Orla McNeilis uh, for our first recording in person in over two years. Welcome oh, yeah. to Ireland. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, two and a half years, I would say. Oh, it yeah. Would, uh, yeah. Because uh, I haven't seen you in person <laughs> for two years, but we didn't record last time. We just at stake and drank, I think. Did we? <laughs> Where is it? What? July? Yeah. July 2019? No, it was Christmas 2020. Ah, yeah. 2019. Yes, yes, yes. Then you came over and ah. we went to FX Buckley and then. <gasps> we did. And then we went drinking. Uh, that Before, during, and after. Crumbles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let the bee flow like the river. Oh, this, this is loose. <laughs> this is the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and then we meet to discuss it. Today, as it is, as you know, this is a special episode that we are in person recording. We decided to do a uh, special episode. Uh, it is a movie that we both have seen. It is McFarland USA from 2015. Welcome to McFarland. This is a farming town. These kids working here are invisible. They come from the fields and they go back to the fields. Mr. White, if we're gonna reach him, now's the time. Have a good day. I'm Coach White, your new PE teacher. Diaz, Diaz, Diaz. Popular name where you guys come from? White, that a popular name where you come from? <laughs> All right, run a lap, go. They're fast. Yeah. Cross country running. California is holding their first state championship this year. You do understand we don't have a cross country team? Yep. You've coached cross country before? No. You competed in high school, maybe? No. Well, you sound perfect. Anybody seen Danny? Danny Diaz? Hey, we needed seven. Yeah, seven runners, not six runners in. Danny Diaz. Hey, you're our anchor, Danny, and not because you're fat. And you are a little fat, okay? So we better lose some weight. Let's go. Just try and remember, lowest score wins. Play golf. We don't got a country club. We don't even got a Kmart. Didn't know McFarland had a team. Fourth place. That's not too shabby. Fourth out of four. Also known as last. Better luck next time, boys. <laughs> this is going to come down to which runners can handle the pain. Let's hit it again. Mr. White, each hour that my boys train with you, they do not work with me. That's food off our table. No one stays in McFarland unless they have to. There ain't nothing American dream about this place. I'm guessing running's the best thing you've got. Me too. So Orla, why did you pick McFarland, USA, USA, <laughs> USA? Uh, oh, you're I'm getting flashbacks to the uh, the very patriotic bit at the end when they like have the <laughs> the fucking uh, national anthem and they're all there. It's like it's like why is that scene there? There's no need for that clip. But, uh, you know, such as the uh, the vibes of this movie. Um, yeah, I think I wanted to wanted to do something we'd both seen before because I thought it would be quite possible that uh, we'd be hammered. So, <laughs> or at least that we'd be hungover or, you know, I didn't really feel like doing something uh, particularly serious. Um, In fairness, I think we're just about the right level at the moment. 
how many cans of Canadian are we? Well, we, we just had a delicious, delicious brunch uh, that Ricardo made and we had uh, Bellinis because it is uh, New Year's Eve. It is the last day of 2021. So my goodness, what after a year. After 2021. What a year after another, what a year. Um, yeah, well, so before we start talking only about Kevin Costner, uh, I thought it was interesting. Like the funny thing about um, this film, other than the various other Kevin Costner movies that we've done, including um, uh, <laughs> The Guardian and The Postman. That's it, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I've seen too many of Kevin And Costner to note, movies. this is the only one that we've done so far that is genuinely a good movie. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's not just, we're not just in it for the ironic takes. This movie was actually quite well reviewed. Um, in fact, there's like one really weirdly, like almost propagandist, propagandistic uh, Vox article about it that I would recommend you looking up because it's just like like 3,000 words of gushing about how this is not a white savior movie and I was like huh You're <laughs> paid, paid, there, for, paid for by <laughs> Kevin Costner and his ranch money and the Disney um, Corporation yeah Jesus Christ um, but the funny thing about this film is that uh, it has a very interesting story behind it that the movie almost reproduces uh, <laughs> there are obviously some uh dramatic licenses taken um but also that the uh not just the story of um jim white himself like the real person but uh the director is also quite interesting because um, she is from new zealand and she directed um <laughs> such a weird filmography uh do you remember whale rider yeah like a <clears throat> So her name, yeah, Nikki Caro. Um, so she also directed uh, the live action remake of Mulan. Oh, Jesus. So yeah, <laughs> that was her most recent. She seems, she tends to make a lot of movies about um, like strong, Jeez. strong female characters sort of tackling um, like sexism and like patriarchy and all that kind of stuff, even in like sort of fluffy ways. Like it isn't, like Whale Rider is good, but like, you know, it's a little, it's a little fluffy. It's very... 2005 which is when i think it came out <laughs> um but yeah so <laughs> i just it's like a really weird eclectic uh uh mix of movies that she's worked on but uh, i kind of wanted to look up interviews with her talking about um why she wanted to make this film in particular because this is obviously more tackling like you know masculinity and like pride and you know that kind of thing i was supposed to like it's not really a whole lot of like you know tackling the patriarchy in this movie um <clears throat> this is very much kevin's film uh <laughs> and like i can't imagine if it had been a different actor or if he'd given a, a shit performance how bad this movie could have been because you really you need this sort of like blank stoicism of of kevin costner where even whenever he's playing like an asshole as in, in Yellowstone, which as I have said before is a fantastic piece of trash, would I recommend anyone who has even a passing interest in Kevin Costner to watch it because it is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I can't imagine if um, uh, if this movie, if it didn't have the like top tier of Kevin Costner performances, because I think this is up there really like... I'm trying to think, like, what's better that he's done recently? He's great in Yellowstone, but, like, this is just... It's, like, hitting all his, like, his, like, top notes. It's not like The Guardian where, oh, he's kind of coasting. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he very... He was very <laughs> guarded in The Guardian. 
know. Um, yeah, but like, so there's obviously, uh, this movie is such a fucking hilarious intro um, where he literally throws something at like, it's like, it's not even college football. It is high school football. So they're like 17 at the very most. And he like fucks something at your guy's head. But the scene is so short. So it starts off with their... Uh, uh, in this changing room and it's like halftime and everything's going very, very badly. Kevin's trying to like, you know, motivate them by telling them that they're shit. And we have about five minutes before we have to go out there in front of everybody who's come here to support us tonight. The question is, what's going to happen to you now when you have to go out there and everybody thinks that you're going to lay down? <laughs> get out. Me? I didn't say anything. I said, get out. But the scene is really short. So it's literally, I meant to time it. It's something like six minutes or something or less of the scene. And then all of a sudden he's like packing his family into a U-Haul and like heading to. It's like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's like weird, especially like in a movie that is really fucking long. I was like, you probably could have set that up a little bit. Um, also, fun fact. Um, <laughs> and in defense of Kevin Costner. Yeah. Or Jim White, <laughs> that he threw the thing at the locker. At the locker, yeah, it was a bad bounce. In yeah. fairness, um, it wasn't like fucking <laughs> Ferguson and Roy Keane kind of situation, or David Beckham, I think it was. Oh God, I feel kind of bad for David. I wouldn't have felt bad for Roy. <laughs> yeah, he probably earned it. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, ridiculous uh, intro into the film, but um, I do feel that like. Because I watched this with my dad and uh, I was just putting it on and I was like, you know, if you want, you want to watch it, like it's a, it's a very enjoyable, very easy to watch. And, uh, and he was like, I should put it on, sure. And by the time it gets to the point where he's talking Thomas off the ledge, literally, and it's actually the way it's shot, uh, it's quite intense. Like, you know, when there are like trucks going by and everything. Um, apparently that did actually happen as well. So there's like a few articles that go through all the things that did happen and didn't happen. Uh, one of which is that... Um, uh, Jim White was actually uh, born in McFarland. <laughs> he like I don't know if he was born there, but he was working there for like twenty years or something before he started coaching the thing. So it's not like he had this like burnout career and this was his last. There was none of that. He did start coaching the team in nineteen eighty seven, but they've just manufactured all that dramatic stuff, and like. It feels so unnecessary because, like, I know why they did it because it's a Disney movie and you need people to be able to, like, you know it'll have the nice white family to root for while also taking you know the medicine of learning about another culture but like i just wish that like jesus christ the scene with the quinceanera is like you know eh, but i'm like why is this here you know and there's then the scene where he has to go to the like um the shop parking lot and she's there and she's like really really mad and he's to try and get her home and i'm like I care about him like making them run up hills of almonds and then I care about Danny saving the day at the end. Speaking of Danny, uh, <laughs> I watched two movies in quick succession that had like weird fat phobia in them and I was like this is what? Why is this here? So the actual Danny Diaz was not like heavy set or anything. He was just like he, you know he was the same sort of um, build as the rest of them and he did like help them win state at the end so it's like you know his, his role is the same. So they just made the character fat to like have comedic relief i guess as if like it's yeah and then to have the kind of rescue at the end by like you know oh it's gonna be another minute then no danny comes through i mean that's not danny diaz that's not danny diaz come on then that's not danny diaz <laughs> uh, yeah 
I mean, it's obviously fucking beautiful. And um, when they win, like, and then he doesn't go, he goes over to the Palo Alto guys and like, I, I know this is not what happened, but I feel like he takes out the business card and rips it into like a load of pieces and throws it in their face. Yeah. And then he turns back and then they're all there and they like give him a rosary or something. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's patriotic. Um, also, small notes before I, I uh, oh yeah, soundtrack is really lovely. Yeah. Really, really lovely soundtrack. Um, I was thinking that whenever we were watching it the last day, it was probably something I didn't notice before because I was probably watching it while hammered and we were probably talking over it. Or what we used to do is pausing it every five minutes to talk for 20 minutes and then pausing it again. All right, pressing play again. Um, yeah, like, uh, it was so <laughs> really, really fun to watch it with Dad because I think he was like, that was very enjoyable. I'd, I'd watch that again with uh, with mom, you know, I think she'd really like it. Uh, but yeah, so Ricardo, uh, why did you let me pick McFarland USA? Oh, there are two kinds of movies that Ricardo <laughs> likes. There's sports movies and there's Kevin Costner's movies. <laughs> and from time to time, the Venn diagram becomes larger. Um, you have a sports Kevin Costner movie. We um, get one every like 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, and also there is the the other subsection of sports movies, which is coaching. Disney oh. <laughs> sports movies, which include Drafted? The Rookie, oh. starring Dennis Quaid, about the guy that... Discount like, Kevin Costner. But the thing is that with all of them, hmm. all of them share the same DNA. It's like, get a true story. Warp it into a Disney. Warp it into a Disney movie. <laughs> put a famous actor in it, and then put some really heroic music. Oh yeah, and shoot it really well. Oh yeah, and there you have it. So you have the rookie with Dennis Quaid about like a base a guy that uh, got oh. discovered to be like a pitcher for baseball when he was like thirty seven or something. Hmm. So like he played a couple of seasons like in the major leagues. Oh, the Moneyball soundtrack is playing in my head. <laughs> and then you have like the greatest game ever played with Shia LaBeouf. Oh! It's a, about the amateur guy that won the Shia US LaBeouf. Open. Oh. Uh, like in the like 1917 or something. You have Remember the Titans, <laughs> which is pretty good. You have Miracle with Kurt Russell about like the 1986 uh, hockey team that was like one of the... the biggest upsets in story in history that like uh, all the professional hockey players in america boycotted the olympics because of the soviet union jesus so it was like all amateurs and they beat the soviets like, <laughs> and the soviets <laughs> oh my were God. already the best team you can imagine how patriotic that movie is <laughs> <laughs> there's the nothing about learning another purpose culture <laughs> <laughs> it's like better dead than red am i right you're goddamn right and it's called the miracle as well oh, jesus christ oh yeah oh no well god wasn't going to let that happen <laughs> so like there's a a, a long story <laughs> there's and, no god uh, in moscow you know there's a, you know like even like really bad disney sports movies mm. like Airbud. <laughs> they know they're like disney is a factory they know oh, yeah. what to do and I think that I like most of those movies. Hmm. Like, just by default, there's something in my DNA that is, like, predisposed to, like... You know, the same way that, like, 
you'll watch like Nicholas Sparks movies. Oh, every single one. Please, please make more. This is this is my plea to all the filmmakers out there just wanting to make a mid-budget piece of sh- absolute I'm, trash. I'm here for it. I will go to the cinema every day. And like much like everything else, sometimes the Kevin Costner diagram, <laughs> Venn diagram, because <laughs> the Kevin Costner Venn diagram joins a lot of different. Oh parts. yeah, oh yeah, Nicky Sparks message in a bottle. Love I it. think that the the worst good Kevin Costner movie uh, made that people have him. Um, really talked about it's called the war with the uh, is with kevin costner and elijah wood and kevin costner is like elijah woods did he dad. direct that as well or no it, it was directed by john avnet who also directed the really really bad uh movie with uh, <laughs> uh de niro and pacino righteous skill oh god jesus <laughs> I forget these things exist and then they just come flowing out of your brain. I know everyone probably knows this, all our you know loyal listeners, but Ricardo doesn't have notes. He does not check things. He often doesn't even Google things. He just, all the names just come out of his head. <laughs> so yeah, but don't ask me like to, what did I fucking eat for lunch yesterday? <laughs> I know the, like I know John Ahmed's <laughs> filmography. Like he doesn't have anything of note. <laughs> Why do I know this man? This is why you are the pub quiz champion. Like, <laughs> because pub quizzes are designed by other Ricardos out there. Um, but going back to McFarlane USA. Yeah. Is that McFarlane USA has the... All these movies have shared the same DNA and stuff that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But this does it. Just every little thing. Just slightly better. better. Mm. It's like, do you have the, the, the supportive wife? Yes, but it's Maria Bello. Yeah. And, uh, so she she works with what she's got. <laughs> yeah, and she makes a character out of absolutely nothing. She makes a character out of like pretty sundresses and yeah. like you know getting her nails done and fair fucks to her. But even like the performance of the kids, like that, there's like a lot of like detail given to the performance. Yeah. That, like I noticed yesterday when watching that whenever like in the quinceanera scene just beforehand, uh, Kevin Costner presents the dressed to his older daughter eldest mm. daughter the youngest daughter is like throwing like doing faces in the background like selling it you know what i mean <laughs> they're going like oh i can't wait what is this ah. <laughs> and like most movies you like the, the the youngest kid would just be like in the bottom of the frame just looking fucking bored yeah and it's like everything in this movie does that a little bit that is like is it a white savior movie a hundred percent oh yes there's no is it a deeply deeply conservative movie oh yes oh yes oh yes also that like you have to like work these per children into the fucking ground like on top of them already being worked into the ground it's like the only way you will find success is if you literally never sleep and like oh god i just the solution is that you pick oh we'll train when you are not working like my sleeping hour oh yeah like, so and I mean, like also, one hour when they wake up at fucking half five in the morning every day and they're like it's like, it's fucking california as well so even whenever they're running in like december it's still like horrifying like oh yeah we finally have a uh, like state championship in california for trio track running and i'm like no i don't think you should do that because you know these children are gonna die and they are they're like children it's just like but no, they learned they learned the real uh, lesson of sacrifice. Also, Kevin Costner did do that one half day in in the fields. So, uh, which which the real Jim White did do? 
yeah like uh i figured that the, like that was when the i think that the movie is a white savior movie but it does a good job of similarly another kevin costner white savior movie fucking hidden figures <laughs> oh my god that is the ultimate that is the ultimate Kevin Costner white savior movie. God, like oh, it. he knocked down that bathroom sign. Oh yeah, like yeah, <laughs> Kevin Costner fixes racism like nobody's business. Oh Jesus! He just needs to see like what well, like he's fixed anti-Mexican racism, uh-huh. uh, anti-black racism. Uh-huh. He just like the next movie. Also gonna... sexism in that case too. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like double so whammy his next movie should be about like maybe during like the internment he builds a baseball team in the internment camps like the japanese internment camps during world war ii the, where the japanese soldiers were put in if you think i wouldn't watch that <laughs> oh like i 100 watch anything with kevin costner <laughs> i do think actually uh that i'm just thinking because you know, we obviously have the the uh, Nikki Sparks and uh, Kevin Costner kind of crossover and everything. And I'm just thinking that what would improve this movie immensely is if we took some of the elements of Nicholas Sparks movies and inserted them into this movie, which means his wife is dead or she's a ghost or she's in a coma or <laughs> there has to be something along those lines. And that just spices up the home life. A she little bit has then. amnesia. Uh, very and, good. Yeah. And she <laughs> wakes up and just falls in love with Kevin Costner's long lost twin brother. <laughs> You're just making things up now. No. Call Ryan Costner. <laughs> But seriously, I want I want him to have like some sort of like ridiculous trauma there in the well, background, like or if he gets a heart, fictitious. he gets a heart from somebody, and <laughs> he's well, like fucking Terminator Salvation. No, it's like it's always that like you got a heart from somebody, and then you start like like hallucinating that person in your life because you've like you know they live inside you. You see in the war in your heart, so. <laughs> Well, like, in fairness, I watched that as well. Yeah, yeah, you fucking would. But, like, I think, I, like, the only movie, like, and this is, like, I like fucking, um, what's his face? Uh, the guy that directed Evil Dead. Sam Raimi? Yeah, I like Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that you can say, like, he should hang his head in shame when you make a Kevin Costner sports movie and it's bad. Because for the love of the game, that movie, oh. like that baseball movie that we stopped watching yes. with John C. Riley and stuff. and I think that I don't think I've ever done with a Kevin Costner movie. Yeah. yeah. And we were drunk. Yeah. And yep. that's how bad that movie is. Yeah. Like even the scene that he nearly bleeds to death because he's just chopping wood and hits his leg or something. <laughs> doesn't say to me. Wait, what? <laughs> Jesus, I have erased that from my mind. Well, like... Uh, <laughs> And going back to pro America things, which is also a theme in this movie. <laughs> no, I I don't know. <laughs> what what would you highlight as the pro America bits? Well, I everything that they talk about the American dream. Oh yeah. And then it's like, oh, the American dream was there if you wanted. It's just that you weren't looking for it. Mm, or you didn't work hard enough. Uh, yes. On your one hour of sleep. <laughs> also, still having to go to school. They like never. The only time you ever see them in school is like when they're the school getting next to the prison. Yeah, when they're getting kicked out of the office, and then actually, oh well, we're gonna have to land on uh, my least favorite character, which is uh, the fucking teacher. Oh my god, that scene when she comes in and she reads the fucking poem. I'm just like, get the fuck out. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. That is the best scene. Leave Kevin alone, and Kevin just goes, yes, 
you know, there's no like <laughs> the very bare levels of emotion on his face. Yeah, like this movie required <laughs> more like so- soapy. <laughs> like I think that this, but this is not. How can I say? It wouldn't make it a better movie, <laughs> but it would make it a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> like objectively, no. Subjectively, hell yes. Like you know, like uh, if at the end there was like a slow cap, slow clap section that like the guys in Palo Alto start clapping the most violent team. <laughs> I live for that. <laughs> I fucking live for that. If like suddenly all the like white guys are like uh, the country club or whatever, they start going like, oh, uh, you know, you know, you need a Top Gun moment. You oh, need yeah. a like, <laughs> I'll be your wingman anytime moment you know the movie is that danny diaz it gets there it gets like right to the edge but it doesn't have the conviction to jump off the cliff to just become pure trash and that's what i needed from this movie no i love it regardless because i think it's more the accumulation of being on the edge the whole time yeah kind of makes you feel that the movie is trashier than it is and then you go to rewatch it and you're like this is like all the little details of like, like first of all this is a movie with really good set design also it's um uh it they shot it in mcfarland yeah. so like it's all they're all like um and also a lot of the extras in the background are people who live there which i thought was really nice as well so it feels quite authentic which is nice um also like all the interiors and everything are really nice like i love the shop he keeps going to like oh it's like but whenever the guy's like he keeps plugging in the line like you know, I haven't closed since 1960 or whatever and then finally he like you know has the sign up being like closed for the first time in 30 years like okay 25 we, years we get it uh, yeah I love that dude and then like he's there at the, like, the crowd of people and he's got the hat on and he's like McFarland <laughs> like, that character is fantastically ridiculous but I love him <laughs> but like the going back to the bit of like set design and stuff yeah and uh yeah like it, not only in, like set design but i think that this movie does a good job in uh, like in the writing that um that it plans things like even like little things like him talking about the car being old but mm. like he's pointing as like i don't know if the velocimeter or whatever is accurate mm because it's an old car and then like 20 minutes later the car breaks down so you're like oh they have an but old it's, car but it's thing. her when she's driving it yeah. yeah 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 and then we have that ridiculous scene where, her... where javier yes uh the... oh my god and it's like it's so ridiculous because uh kevin costner's wife is clearly like oh i don't trust this situation at all why are these you... brown people are very scary <laughs> why is she being so nice to me very good it's something that I would comment that like the only problem with this movie is that there's no way of making cross country running an interesting sport. No, it just seems like suffering. That's all. But it, it's also <laughs> that it's like because it's both a team sport mm. and just running. Like because if you're doing like a movie about a marathon, mm. the main character is like, okay, there's five guys in front of me. You can really place what's happening. But in this one, it's like, I don't know where everybody is. What's the point? The first, when you first watch it and they go and they do the first game or the first like 
whatever they're called um the first meat the first meat that's it and like so at this point we don't know anything about it and like i didn't know anything about cross-country running as a team before watching it the first time so you're kind of watching it going what and then he has he's trying to like score it but then like they're all what like and then you don't know until the end because and i was like how are they counting this the whole thing just made no like it was incredibly confusing um so you have to have a lot of scenes of kevin costner running from point to point with like his his little clipboard taking notes and everything the egg timer yeah <laughs> i do love it whenever uh they have the two team meet and uh what's oh god what do they say to the like incredibly condescending fucking um oh yeah <laughs> like good race amigo <laughs> or something it's like i love how like comical the racism is in this movie it's like and my favorite thing is that kevin cosner given the fact that he's probably worked in this movie for like six months yeah he only has to say two words in spanish <laughs> he only figure he doesn't even say like the word tres like oh yeah i mean it was uno dos tres i don't know i kind of i think that's fitting with the character though considering that like somehow in 1987s these people didn't know what tacos were so <laughs> and she's saying them and it's like they're just like what are these strange foods are we in mexico <laughs> yeah and also is the hilarious bit that is like you the the waitress know is saying that she they're like the whitest people ever, yeah and still like says everything in spanish to them yeah there was, she says like five different things she could she, she can speak english but she doesn't she's just and so then they're just like uncomfortable and not to speak in <laughs> spanish she says in spanish going like do you want beef chorizo whatever and then it's like and they go what are they i'll bring you a selection she says it's like instead of going like this is beef this is pork this like, is chicken okay this is pulled pork there you go this is spiced pork yum <laughs> like how hard is that like if yeah. I and they're just kind of like oh, okay and she speaks perfectly english yeah. it's not like this she's like no hablo oh i don't know i think i think we know who the real racist is in this movie it's that waitress uh <laughs> yeah like a like that scene that kevin costner <laughs> tells your man to like say thanks to his dad for like having him over oh yeah oh god yeah and it's very blatant that's a very Aaron Sorkin Jesus moment Jesus Christ that is the most Aaron Sorkin moment in this movie <laughs> you know it's like a very much comical, we killed Bin Laden for you comical kind of moment. misunderstanding uh, yeah and it's like very blatantly clear that the man does speak English as well like there's no indication that he doesn't and he just like he's brown so oh. maybe ah <laughs> oh, yes of course uh, yeah he just goes over and he's like um <laughs> the son just like plays along perfectly as well it's like yeah you should make him feel bad um but like racism is fixed by the end because a white man called white oh yeah not to be racist and you know made a lot of like shitty little palo alto boys feel bad about losing so yeah to the kids with the like shitty runners yeah that's like, all that uh, matters and it's hilarious like that's the one as a sports movie i think it also has like if you're judging this as a sports movie, mm -hmm. I think that the two biggest problems as a sports movie mm -hmm. is that a the sport that they picked, like even something like Cool Runnings, does a better job of explaining the sport to you. you yeah, know? and like <clears throat> another Disney sports movie, the, the, <laughs> you, you, you yeah. see the trend. It's like they just grab a true, true story, put it through like a fucking algorithm, and it comes out. Is that the second bit is that it doesn't do the job that other sports movie by Disney does that is like present an 
enemy or like a, a rival that is like worthy to to go in even in like like in the in bring it cool on running. bring it on for instance another great sports movie <laughs> yeah that they have like this cool is the champion one or yeah. like a miracle is the soviets so that's an easy one because you know wow somebody drinking vodka like <laughs> looking menacingly I'm from the kgb and yeah. then you you Those have fucking secular monsters like even i remember the titans there's like like a lot of build up about like one school that would be like really impossible to beat yeah so like they they say even like uh every other coach in this uh in this division plays this way uh, except this guy and we won't meet him until like state state always has to be state it's amazing <laughs> Uh, but no one's ever going to nationals it's always no, strange doesn't have a national uh, no, sports fair. only like if you only even in college well, no they do for uh cheerleading mm. oh yeah national maybe mm. bring it on the nationals okay <laughs> but well like i suppose that it's not seen as a sport it's more like an activity because it's, it's like judges scoring like i know that Technically, um, it is like athletic, but I don't think yeah, it's uh, put seen, in into. Uh, have you seen? Is it Cheer? What's that Netflix documentary about? How fucking horrifying <laughs> it is! Oh my god, the amount of injuries, how tough it is. Like when you're at the very, very top of that game, how like much they train and everything. Because it's like it's not really cheerleading. It's it's like building pyramids out of humans. It's insane. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, but America, like, if I can, uh, whatchamacallit. But they do it wearing dresses, so no one cares. That in America, there's a certain um, attachment to maximalism that (laughs) I quite enjoy. This is even like fucking, oh, yeah, I'm part of the marching band. And it's like, no, you're going to, like, you're going to march until your legs feel like fucking shit. Because we're going to have to do, like, a drawing that you can only see from space while you're fucking playing dixieland or whatever the fuck it's yeah and like it's not the like kids in the high school that are they're like making it this level it's the fucking coaches it's all about the coaches beating the other coaches sure like yeah you can't even get paid for like university sports mm. uh, even though it's a billion dollar industry oh, which is beside yeah. the the point because that's a rabbit hole that we don't have time to go down at least like cross country may be problematic in some ways especially as a film sub- subject but like you know i'm feeling there's a lot less like toxic masculinity but going back to it like i think that the biggest problem though is like the the, the thing of the like finding a rivalry because even the palo alto team is not really a rivalry it's very faceless yeah and because there's so many of them in each meet like you know because especially like with the time they get to nationals there's like what six teams or something and they're just like you know there's not even like a moment where there's a lot of like uh you know or team passing people out but we don't know the people they're passing out so it feels less it's not like there's like one bit where it's like like thomas is running and he's like there's like a palo alto guy there and like you know they're like shoulder to shoulder you know what i mean they're just kind of like faceless sort of rich white dudes but even in the sense of like strategy that like like there's a lot of strategy when it comes to cross country as well so like Mm. they'd be like okay you need to be like a guy that you get one guy that is gonna like burn himself out but somebody like they have to like sacrifice a racer mm. like you know like in the beginning of the last meet and one of the guys like burns himself out because for whatever reason he god damn it like, <laughs> like, yeah they never explain that either he just he just wants to be the hero he I just suppose. all of a sudden goes nuts and they're all like don't do it don't do it and you're like 
what why why is he doing it but like you say you don't know any of the strategy in the uh of the sport you don't know what the strategy the other teams are doing yeah because even when you watch like friday night lights or like my mom doesn't have a clue about football but she understood what like the stakes were but also it's like this uh, these guys are bigger so then when they they're getting hit all the time you go like okay that's what happens you know Mm. like this team likes to run the ball and then they keep running the ball they like it's oversimplified so you understand oh yeah like there's somebody that doesn't follow the sport but you know the best it's the same as like senna formula the formula one documentary yeah there's a very good job of explaining why senna was a good racer mm. and how formula one works both in on the race and in the background to make it entertaining you know you might not get entertained enough to like go and watch a race by yourself after watching the movie but while watching the movie it the, you understand the stakes that are happening yeah. and also it builds the rivalry between Senna and prost and stuff it, it just gives it to good storytelling and i think like if you had like a rivalry with the Palo Alto guy that they like meet a yeah, few meets or stuff. they are there in a lot of them, but there's no real, everyone just kind of blends in together, you know? And I wish they'd taken like less of the like, you know, ridiculous like gang activity bullshit, <laughs> taken that time and given it to another team or so, you know what I mean? Of like developing that more because I think you are right. Cause uh, a lot of the running scenes, you get a little bit lost and you sort of lose the, other than like, you know, waiting for the oh, when they first put McFarland up on the blackboard oh my little heart um, I have to say that whole um uh fucking subplot with the like the, the scene where his wife is trying to convince him that like this is the best neighborhood we've ever lived because like during a rough during a rather like escalating situation your team pushed our daughter out of the way we can't possibly leave here and it's like why they've like put in this ridiculous scene just to have her bend herself backwards to try and like defend it like that's like the worst fucking weirdly white savior tinged scene in the whole film where she's just like i found a community here and you're like <laughs> and also consider like, like the, the, the bit he, it's perfectly fine that he was terrified for his fucking daughter considering like you know it's like yeah it was so strange like just just don't have that scene in the film at all and then you don't have to worry about it. and also it's like because the movie equivalent of hashtag not all Mexicans. Literally, yes. That is oh like Oh my god, yes. The oh yeah, it's not all Mexicans, but some Mexicans are yes, gangbangers. And we we have to include the some Mexicans, you know, it's like You can't have an entire movie without like somebody in the low rider just putting up menacingly and uh, your mind getting stabbed slash shot, who knows what happens. They don't even explain it. They literally so we never see the scene unfold it literally we just get there and right, it's kind of hinted at that javier was in prison and because he was part of a gang and since he came out of prison like they've been trying to like get him to rejoin the gang yeah because the girlfriend yeah, well, goes like yeah. aren't they gonna fucking leave you alone or something yeah but at the same time it's like just don't have that there we don't need that it's like oh but this is a part of their culture it's like yeah and also like defeats the, the argument that he, javier says like 20 minutes before that is like we don't do stuff whenever we're use driving our cars yeah. because it's very recognizable if we commit a crime the cops will know straight away and then somebody <laughs> else like rolls up with the car and just stops in front of them 
yeah. in the convenience store or whatever like and also it's like well like is that convenience store the only part of oh yeah. Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's <laughs> actually yeah because even like later on like that tap where they're like drinking from the hose is like that that's like a fucking starring role for that fucking hose <laughs> like there's like three separate scenes that takes place around that one area it's hilarious no, the thing is uh, that is like the most conservative thing is that it's like at the end of the movie, whenever it's like these two guys are landowners now, or all the members in the team are oh, landowners, yeah. I was like, oh shit, boy, and now they what? don't pay their staff. What Thanks. a weird way to phrase that as well. It's just like, yeah, as much as like I do love that ending though, because you get to see like the actual the actual lads and like they did all do really well. But that's like, well, except for one lad that was like in prison yeah but there was like he was in prison but then he like did there was like one small positive bit i think no he just said that he was in prison and now Aww. he's doing okay he's working it's that like yeah but it's like it's so depressing because all the other guys are like you know now they're teaching at mcfarland now they're teaching at mcfarland like one of them was a journalist for like the la times or something yeah the guy that doesn't show up because oh, he was he's... serving the american killing oh. other brown people yeah true but for for america though so it's fine uh <laughs> jesus uh, um yeah god <laughs> i'm trying to think of like what movies of kevin costner being that don't have that tinge of uh conservatism patriotism or general nationalism well like I, jfk <laughs> well, no, i think that like the way to describe kevin costner and his movies in general <laughs> They are Joe oh. Biden Democrats. <laughs> you know, like, you can tell that yeah, he was yeah. like, he's a big Joe Biden guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, God. Oh, I can see them together. Like, yeah, you oh. know what I mean? Like, he, he, like Obama yeah. would be a little bit too lefty, you know? Like, he, <laughs> he's the kind of guy that is like, you know, cops, they shouldn't kill black people. Why don't you just shoot them in the leg? It's like, how about you just don't shoot them? <laughs> I feel like Kevin Costner's like, obama era biden though rather than like biden now because i feel like biden's gone a little bit too far towards the socialism for him it's like he's not he's not quite central enough for yeah him. yeah like a uh, sleepy joe has yeah. uh i've been awakened left. <laughs> oh <laughs> the great awakening oh dear you know like the problem with, like with this kind of movie it's set in 1987 if this movie came out in 1987 i would have been like all right it's from like you know like this movie is like breaking away it's like yeah but this is like what 2015 and this is just about as revolutionary as disney gets yeah because breaking away yeah. is from disney as well that's the cycling one right yeah yeah that we watched in college yeah it's a really good script like mm. it's a, one of the most influential scripts ever because it's like all sports movies after mm. that kind of like it was rocky and breaking away that did the uh, it, like created a new genre in a way because obviously there were other sports movies before mm. but like we did fat city for the podcast they weren't yes in. boxing yeah like it's a really good movie i think that there are movies that you like if you just break them down like politically <laughs> you go like oh <laughs> and i haven't seen don't look now uh, don't look up sorry i've seen don't look now which is definitely not a political movie. <laughs> it's a sexy movie. But I, uh, I haven't seen Don't Look Up. And I don't disagree oh, that probably Adam the politics McKay. are correct. But like, it doesn't look like my cup of tea. But it doesn't mean that mm. the, it, because the politics are right that the movie is right. Oh, like, yeah. The same way that it is like, 
you completely agree with me that at least the politics of Heaven's Gate is in the right place completely. Sure. But the movie <laughs> is not good in your view. <laughs> it might be the wrong view, but <laughs> anyways. But oh, yeah, okay. do you if that's have the any... hill you want to die on, that's fine. I have died in lower hills. <laughs> What's your final thoughts? Um, I had a really, really lovely time watching this, and uh, it is it is a really good movie, and it's a movie that like I saw this a lot, and all the reviews where people are like, "This should not be as good as it is. It has no right to be this good," <laughs> and I think that kind of sums it up really. Like, is it a great movie? No, but like. It's like a 65-70% on Metacritic type of movie, you know? It's like, it's it's just, it's got enough heart and enough, like, you kind of feel that Kevin cared when he made this movie, you know? Which I think is important. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Favorite thing, I think, is the the little extra sauce that the movie has <laughs> yeah. and everything. It's like, the music is just slightly better than yeah. it needs to be. The performances across the board. Mm like the we didn't mention enough the kids are really good and yeah and this also like even the casting that they none of the kids look out of place there's no like fucking hunk you know like they're kind of all gangly except for thomas who looks about 40 because <laughs> whenever he's like hanging around with uh, uh with the daughter and like that actress is like I think she was about, she was only like maybe three or four years younger than me. So she wasn't that young whenever they made that movie. But she looks very young. Whereas like Thomas does not look young. Yeah, so but like that little bit of extra sauce is my favorite thing. That is like across the board script. Just like, you know, like the principal is mm. a character. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Show it to him because he is a character and you do believe him as that character. Even the fucking football coach yeah he doesn't have like lines. he's a dickhead but <laughs> he's a character yeah i think does he have any lines it's literally get in the field yeah literally after the kids clearly got a fucking concussion also in that scene i was like kevin costner can you not just tell him what happened and that that guy is not a good coach and and also in the 80s they definitely wouldn't oh, yeah, stop this like is your <laughs> are you bleeding from your ears it's not a concussion <laughs> But it's fine. We didn't have any uh, negative impact of that uh, since then. And also, like, the fact that it's, like, so, like, hilariously <laughs> not real. Like, you don't just start saying, like, random words when you have a concussion. It's like, what day is it? Uh, uh, Lincoln. <laughs> I forgot about that. There's so much. There's just a lot of texture in this film. It's. And what's your favorite part? Uh, I... I <laughs> I think it's Gavin Costner, because uh, I mean, th th I really do love that scene on the the uh, the bridge with Thomas. Um, but I also love like the bit in the quinceanera when he gives his little speech, and like a lot of what Kevin Costner does is playing dad characters, and like you know he's a real patriarch in so many things, and like it's just so enjoyable. <laughs> he just has like the wit of a man who has daughters. <laughs> And then he gives this little speech and it's just like oh, the combination of like being able to be like really, really feckless. Like <laughs> whenever he just doesn't bring the cake and I'm like, <sighs> but in the end, it's fine because he, he throws her against in here. So it's okay. <laughs> and you know what? I forgive him. As a Latino, I know how important quinceaneras is. <laughs> 
I was really, really annoyed because whenever I moved from Uruguay, mm. Felipe was 15. Oh. So he got to go to all the quinceañeras. <gasps> and I moved here when I was 13. Oh. So I didn't get to experience that. Can we throw you a 35 one or something? No, but it's only girls that get a quinceañera. Yeah, there's no real male equivalent, is there? So. I think that the, the guys celebrate when they're 18. Yeah. It's like the idea, obviously, is like some sort of fucking weird patriarchal shit. But it's a lot like, yeah, it's a lot like, um, you know, like in your first Holy Communion where they make you wear little wedding dresses. Yeah, but the difference, know? I think, is that like Latin men are not supposed to care hmm. about that kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, you're 15, you're a woman. <laughs> Congratulations. But it's meant to be like nowadays is like, I'm sure that whenever it started, it's like, you're a woman now, you can get married. 1987. But like, I think that nowadays and in the movie it explains that as well is that it's like, it's whenever you stop being a kid and you mm. s- start becoming a woman. Yeah. That is like meant to your be. Tween, your tween kid. years are over. Exactly, but. <laughs> but yeah, Kevin Costner, he really sells it when he's giving his little speech. And uh, I also love that, like, Kevin Costner doesn't seem to have. Um, Aged? Yeah. Like, there was a point in the early noughties when he reached a point and he has not changed. Because, like, even in Yellowstone, like, you know, there's a lot of scenes where he's, like, shirtless and, you know, and he just looks the fucking same. And I'm like, what? Like. Yeah, you look at Silverado when it's like really, really young Kevin Costner. Yeah. And you're like, okay, like I can see him growing into Kevin Costner. Mm. But like Kevin Costner has just looked like a man in his late 30s since the 80s. So I think that like I have a theory that the best way to age is to look really old really early. And then maintain it. And then maintain it. Mm. Seems to be like every like. And what was your least favorite thing? Oh Jesus! What was my least favorite thing? I oh God, I think it's the sort of like underlying kind of like, not quite a white savior, but still a white savior sort of conservative, like bedrock that the foundation of it. You know, that's just it's they've done enough to make it like slightly progressive, but you don't have to dig very far to get to the like, and it just leaves a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth because otherwise, like you know. You know, when this last scene when he's cycling the bike and they do the whole thing and it's like, look, you know, this is a real story. These people really got out and it's great. It makes you feel really good. But then whenever you start thinking about the movie again, you're like, oh, and I, you know, I, I don't mind it because it's obviously still a very enjoyable uh, movie to watch. Very entertaining. You could show it to anybody. Uh, but yeah, it just at least a little little linger, you know. Yeah. What, uh, what was your least favorite thing? Yeah, like I think the... Make a movie in 2015 that feels uh, in place for Reagan era America. Reagan era America. Yeah. Let me use my words there. Like, uh, like yeah, like it's a bit regressive in some ways, the movie. And mm. it's kind of like a missed opportunity in that sense. But same time, it is, like I said, a movie that clearly has its heart in the right place. Oh, yeah. Even like music is not Mexican, but I think that. In a way, I like it. it's like a Brazilian composer. Oh. So I like it because it's able to bring like Latino tinges, but it doesn't sound like, you know, like like a fucking mariachi band, you know, like which yeah. could get like, you know, very dodgy very quickly. <laughs> uh, but um, 
But I, I, I do think that the, like, and I think as a movie besides that, like, uh, I think that it, it does uh, need a little bit more of, like, an antagonistic force. It yeah. is a very good hangout movie more than, like, a yeah. sports movie in a way. Um, I like hangouts movies, but sports movies, by God, g- just give me a sports movie and I'll fucking... Straight like, up, yeah. Straight up. Even, like, Bull Durham that hasn't aged well at all. Uh, Mainly because of the I love Karen. baseball. I love baseball. <laughs> but like, I live and breathe baseball. Well, in fairness, like a lot of movies that the American Deep South have an age twelve <laughs> from any era. Uh, yeah, for season, season. But I think that it's like Mermy. Uh, oh jeez. <laughs> but I think that it's. Uh, I don't know. It's like. Yeah, it's the kind of movie that you go like, yeah, it's shit, but it's awesome. Like, mm. uh, in, like, constructively, it's like, it's good. Like, you know, it's this kind of balance that is good garbage, but it's garbage, but it's good, objectively good, but also objectively bad. Mm. It's a very, like, I, it's, I wouldn't like to watch it as a critic because, like, yeah. Yeah. Because as a critic, you kind of like obviously you can detach yourself from your taste whenever you're reviewing a movie, mm. but you also have to. Your job is to inform the the viewer on what they're walking into. Yeah, and this movie, like without ruining it, a and be like every time that you're talking about the good aspects of the movie. You make the sound the movie sounds way better than it is, <laughs> and it, whenever yeah. you talk about the bad things, you make the movie sound way worse than it is. So you have oh, like it is this kind of like middle ground that doesn't exist because it's like it's a combination of things. Like film is alchemy. Like this mm. movie, like you said, you take Kevin Costner out, but I think even more like you take uh, the editor, cinematographer, cinematographer, because like cinematographer, even whenever they're like in the fields or whatever, there's like a cinema very take kind mm. of approach that is like goes handheld and stuff like that. That also it does help that the film is shot on film, mm. so it does gives it like not only settles it in its spirit of the eighties, but it also gives it like a grit adds, without adds making texture. it grittier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still it's still got that kind of like you know. Uh, like that Breaking Bad tinge of whenever they go to Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, <laughs> and everything is suddenly very the, orange. Yeah, the, the the Mexico filter. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's not it's not like dialed up to eleven in this movie, but it's there. It's yeah. Just a little. Yeah. It's also like it's California. Yeah. But is it? <laughs> no, but like I mean, it's mm. California, and the only like three like. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure that McFarland has like a largely immigrant and mexican hispanic population but in the movie it makes you believe that the the only two white people that live (laughs) in my farland because they make it clear that if you if you're white and you're on money you live in bakersfield and you commute yeah so it's like oh our teacher character helpfully gave us that information yeah so like they're the only two white adults in the whole of mcfarland there's not even one other white kid in the entire school that is shown and it's like i'm sure that there's at least a couple white people that cling together like if they're yeah on their own block yeah nice and on the other side of town (laughs) but yeah that was mcfarland usa that was mcfarland 
Farting USA. This has been an absolute delight uh, being back in a room with you. <laughs> so, uh, so we're watching a, a movie with more Hispanics tomorrow. No. Well, tomorrow, not to, definitely not tomorrow. Oh, you watch it tomorrow, everyone. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Azor, Azor, Azor. Azor. Uh, yes, Argentinian, nineteen seventy nine. No, nineteen eighty. I think is when it's set. Um, cool. Yeah, Back to the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Have we done an Argentinian song? No, I don't think so. I don't think we've done a... Have we done a South American movie? Even? Yes. Zama. Okay, yes. But I can't remember if that was... That's Argentina. Yeah, yeah, okay. There we go. Okay, well then... Okay, I feel less bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can find that very, very soon. And uh, if they want to look at our other episodes and our other Kevin Costner episodes, Ricardo... Where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, The Right Mind Instagram, on Twitter, at The Right Game. You can find us on Dublin Digital Radio every second week on Mondays 11 to 12. And they can find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud or your podcaster of choice, Spotify, The Works. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, live from Ricardo's bedroom, or Ricardo's office in Ricardo's house in sunny Manus. Uh, I was Ardor Ines. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>